Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 24 of Revelation chapter 18. And we're going to be reading verse 10. Revelation 18, 10 says, Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And this is referring to the kings of the earth. Um, we we uh, have discussed verses 9 and 10 for the last couple of studies, and we saw how they are bewailing or, or weeping and lamenting for the burning of Babylon when they see the smoke of her burning. And we spent some time looking at the Greek word blepo, and we saw that uh, people of the world can see on a certain level and yet not see or understand on another level. And uh, we uh, saw how the world saw the dead bodies of the two witnesses lying in the street for the three-and-a-half-day period, the first part of the Great Tribulation, and and rejoiced and made merry. And, and yet, in actuality, that was not the case. There, there was no literal... Uh, comprehensive understanding of the dead church, but as the church uh, conducted itself and and as it went about its business during the time God's wrath was upon it, the world did witness a dead church. So they saw it on a certain level, and yet on another level or plateau they did not see or understand. Likewise, the world today is seeing, on a certain level, the judgment of God, the wrath of God, with the tremendous increase of wickedness in the world, with um, the expansion of homosexual marriage in 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 um, state after state in uh, America or in country after country in other nations, as as this is um, this particular sin is being highlighted all over the earth. And that's a testimony that God has given man up, that it is the time of mankind's judgment, and, and many other things too, including most especially the lack or the absence of a faithful declaration of the true gospel to the world. God did bring the true gospel to the world for 1955 years through the churches. But then that witness ended, and then God used his people, the elect, to bring the true gospel to the world outside the churches and congregations to complete the evangelization of the world, to uh, bring in the last of the elect to save that great multitude. And then once that was accomplished by the end of 
uh, the day of salvation, and the day of salvation concluded on May 21, 2011, then God began judgment, and, and suddenly the witness of the true gospel went silent, mission trips ceased. Um, the the uh, declaration of the true gospel going forth over the airwaves ceased, and God's people um, went quiet and were silent, not bringing any message for a time. But now, yes, uh, the Lord's people are sharing information from the Bible, sharing truth once again, but we are not evangelizing the earth. We're publishing Babylon's fall, and and we're declaring that the world is under judgment, and and so uh, with this activity, there is a witness and a testimony to the world from the Bible itself that the world is seeing on a certain level, yet of course on another level of understanding, not seeing, not grasping or comprehending. Well, that, that's what's going on uh, in these verses as we see that they see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off, it says in verse 10, for the fear of her torment. And Judgment Day, God likens to five months of torment. And, and the torment is a time when the world is no longer receiving its consolation, no longer enjoying its riches. For a time, the world laughed. For a time, the world gathered together its treasures. And, and yet, now it's judgment day, and, and, uh, those that laugh, God now is picturing as weeping and mourning. And those that were, were, um, mournfully bringing the gospel, sowing with tears, God pictures in the Bible as now for them it's a time to laugh. And so here the rich men of the earth, the unsaved people, the unsaved inhabitants of the earth, are standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, or woe, woe, doubling the woe, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And uh, it goes on to say that great city, Babylon, that mighty city. And again, Babylon is a type and figure of the kingdom of Satan of this world, including, at this point, the churches and congregations all come under the umbrella of Babylonian rule or of Satan's rule, and they would be included in the fall of Babylon. That great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Now, the one-hour reference points to the time duration that God has assigned for the Great Tribulation period. And and we'll see that in a second. But it's important to carefully read how God wrote this statement. For in one hour is thy judgment come, does not mean Babylon is being judged for the hour or during the hour, over the course of the hour, because that hour typifies the Great Tribulation. And Babylon was not the object of God's wrath during 
the hour of great tribulation, who was, who was the target? Who was the object of God's wrath? The churches and congregations. The great tribulation is, is really another way of saying the judgment on the house of God, the, the time when judgment was on the corporate church worldwide, not on the world, uh, not on um, Satan's kingdom, but God was using Satan as an instrument of judgment. And and again, just historically look back to the Old Testament in order to uh, get a proper perspective of things and look at the 70-year period that typified the Great Tribulation or typifies that one hour of judgment. And during the 70 years, who was the one being judged? Was it Babylon? No, Babylon was increasing in power and in might. And, and, uh, they, they were the rulers. They had the dominion from 609 BC until 539 BC. Babylon was, was not, uh, fallen. Babylon was not under, uh, judgment in any way. But it was at the end of the 70 years, the, the end of the time in which Judah was being judged by God. At the end of the hour, in other words, is when Babylon comes under judgment. And when God says here, in one hour is thy judgment come, he's really saying it has taken one hour to expire. It has taken one hour to elapse for time to pass. And then at the end of the hour, the the judgment of Babylon comes. And, uh, for instance, we know the hour is a type and figure of the Great Tribulation. If we go to Revelation 17, verse 12, it says, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. And the beast rose up out of the sea, in Revelation 13, it, the beast is the name that God primarily has assigned to Satan for the period of rule during the Great Tribulation. And so the beast rules for an hour. Uh, in Matthew chapter 20, God gives a very helpful parable of workers or laborers working in the vineyard for a 12-hour day. And they go out, they're hired at uh, three-hour intervals um, from the beginning of the day, and then the ninth, the, the uh, uh, third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, uh, uh, very uh, evenly spaced, three-hour intervals. And then it's broken up at the eleventh hour, the last hour. It says in uh, Matthew chapter 20, in verse 12, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. And what God did is he pictures in this parable the day of salvation. And, and Jesus said, Are there not twelve hours in a day? And this is the work day, the time in which the Lord's people labor 
in the field, um, bringing the gospel uh, to uh, find, to seek and find the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, and God saves his elect during the day of salvation. And, and the day goes on uh, in a very normal way. And laborers are hired at, at regular intervals, except there's a change at the last hour, the 11th hour, and another group is hired, and they work only one hour. And then comes the end of the day. And, and then comes evening or night. And, and that last hour, the 11th to the 12th hour, typifies the hour of great tribulation followed by the night of judgment. And, and, and Jesus said that the, the night cometh when no man can work because you must work during the day, the 12 hour day period. And the last time to be able to do work in evangelization wherein God is saving sinners was that one hour, the last hour, 11th to 12th of the great tribulation. Then immediately after the tribulation, the sun is darkened, the moon uh, does not give her light and the stars fall. So it is spiritual night in which no man, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ, can work the work of God, which is that you believe no more granting faith to sinners and the the day of salvation has come to a close. Um, so we we find these kinds of references in the Bible that helps us understand, yes, one hour does point to the great tribulation. And then there's that reference in Revelation 8, 1, where it says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And we uh, accurately understand, and Mr. Camping uh, was very correct about this verse, that about the space, not exactly a half hour, but about, is referring to the first part of the Great Tribulation, the 2300 evening mornings that we read from the book of Daniel, that uh, went from the beginning of the Great Tribulation, May 21, 1988, until September 7th, 1994, wherein virtually no one was being saved, and that's why silence in heaven, there, when someone's saved, there's joy in heaven, there's there's um, joyous, um, loud activity, but when no one's being saved, it was silence in heaven, wherein virtually no one was being saved in the world, and and that was for about a half hour. Not exactly, because it's not um, an even half of the total 23-year Great Tribulation. 2,300 days works out to about six years and about four months. And uh, it, that's not half. So, so God wanted to identify with the hour of Great Tribulation. And so he said about half an hour. Uh, and and the whole great tribulation is the full hour and the hour represents the 23 years the 8400 days and then at the end of the 23 years at the close of the 8400 days in uh, other words the end of the 70 year period of babylon's rule now babylon falls now 
the light of the gospel goes out. And judgment is upon this world typified by Babylon. And so God says, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And just so we understand this and we we get it right, uh, God made sure by writing in the Greek, of course, which was the uh, original language that the book of Revelation was written in, in the original Greek, it, it says, literally, the Greek reads this way, For in one hour your judgment came. Your judgment came. And again, past tense. The, the judgment or the hour has passed, and in one hour your judgment came. And now, at the end of the hour, it's the time for Babylon's judgment. It, it's the end of the 12-hour workday. The 11th to 12th hour, 12th hour has expired. Evening has come. It is spiritual night. And now it's time for Babylon's judgment. Okay, let's go on to verse 11 in Revelation 18, which says, And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth her merchandise any more. Now this is similar to the kings of the earth, who also uh, bewailed her and lamented for her. Now the the uh, same Greek word that was translated as bewail is translated here as weep. It, it's the same word. It could read, and the merchants of the earth shall bewail and mourn over her. And 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 so we know it's a similar reaction. A little later on, they're also going to cry, woe, woe. And, and so the merchants of the earth uh, are viewing the destruction of Babylon, this world, and, and they're particularly concerned or troubled because no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. And then in the following verses, God will, will give um, a lengthy list of their merchandise. And we'll, we'll take a look at that. But right now, we just want to look at this uh, language or this phrase, the merchants of the earth. And we came across it already back in verse 3 of Revelation chapter 18, where it said, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are wax rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So there God speaks of the merchants of the earth waxing rich, and also, if if we go to verse 15 of Revelation 18, it says, The merchants of these things, which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. So we, we see again, the merchants are made rich. And that tells us that there's a common denominator that God is using when he's speaking of the merchants of the earth, and that is the, the common denominator is riches. The, the merchants are uh, wax rich or made rich. 
through their dealings with the great city Babylon. And, and, and so if we look up this word rich or riches, uh, we find some interesting things. For instance, let's go to Luke chapter 6, Luke 6, and beginning in verse 24, it says, But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Now here, here we find God addressing the rich and pronouncing woes. And uh, the Lord is saying, Woe unto you that are full, or woe unto you that laugh now, you shall hunger and you shall mourn and weep. And what do we find in Revelation 18? We find the merchants of the earth that are wax rich through their involvement with Babylon. Their their merchandise um, is through Babylon. And they are crying, Alas, alas, which is the same Greek word, Woe, woe. It's, or it's the same Greek word that's here in Luke 6.24, where God is saying that those that that are uh, laugh now will mourn and weep and and um, those that are rich have received their consolation that is uh, the people of the world that that enjoy the things of the earth that um, go about their daily business and they don't have any thought or concern about god they're they're focused on um bringing riches to themselves riches to their family um they they want to enjoy and indulge and and uh involve themselves in as much of the world's riches as possible and and god uh is saying all right you can do that you can do that and and you're rich now you're rich and and, and by the way uh, this doesn't necessarily have to do with physical things either. Um, God can, through the language of the rich, have in view many what the world would consider poor people, but they're rich in the fact that they're storing up treasure or attempting to on earth and not in heaven. Remember, we read in Luke chapter 12, in Luke 12, of um, a rich man, it says in verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? 
so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, when we take a, a closer look at that statement and we see that it, it really is addressing the mindset of people, uh, the, the desire of people in their heart. What, what is the focus of their life? Are they trying to please God? Are they trying to store up treasure in heaven through uh, e- uh, salvation and eternal life and, and, and so forth that God must grant them? Or is the focus of their life um, everything to do with this world? And, and so they're laying up treasure for himself, for the individual, or, or for things that impact them and affect them like their family. And, and yet they're not laying up treasure in heaven. You know, having an understanding, I used to think that when God spoke of the rich, he had, um, pretty much in view those that, uh, were unsaved in the churches because they, they had the Bible, they had a, a sort of wisdom that God had given them, but actually, no, it, it's, it's far more than that. It can be them, but it also is the unsaved man or woman that is, uh, busy and active, um, it, with their life. They're, they're, they're merchants. They're, they're trying to get treasure out of this world from Babylon. Uh, they go to work and, and they're working for themselves. They're, they're, uh, it's all self-centered. It, it's all storing up treasure, uh, for one's own and not for God. Only God's elect because God has given them a new heart and spirit that would desire to do this, desire to do the will of God are focused on storing treasure in heaven. Well, um, uh, we don't have time during this study, but Lord willing, in our next study, we'll take a look at the rich man that that had much and the poor beggar Lazarus, as Christ gave another parable of the rich man who ends up in hell and Lazarus who goes to Abraham's bosom, a picture of being blessed by God with eternal life. And the thing that that uh, Abraham says to the rich man in hell, that he had already in his life received his good things and Lazarus' evil things. Now he, Lazarus, is comforted, and thou art tormented. Uh, again, uh, we, we go back to the language of Revelation 18, where they're standing afar off for the fear of her torment. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.